0: Now, back to your tech report. We're back on your tech report. Thank you guys so much for being here. Um, If you want to follow along, it is at your tech report on all our social media. Um, uh, This past week or a couple weeks ago, Collision was a conference that was held virtually this year and features all kind of different tech from all over the world, all kind of cool celebrities and lots of fun stuff. And, And one guy who was extremely persistent In making sure he got my attention was our next guest. His name is David Eberle, and he's the co-founder and CEO uh, of a very cool app or a company called TypeWise. David, welcome to your tech report. Thank you for taking the time to join me. I know you're in Switzerland, so what time is it there now? I don't even know.
1: Yeah, it's 5 p.m. Uh, 5 p.m., okay. Um, so I'm very glad to be on the show, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's good to have you here because, you know, when it comes to, you know, keyboards, and we're talking about keyboards on our on our mobile devices, um, I think that most people can agree that it is probably one of the weakest points in any device, especially these days, with the amount of times that autocorrect makes me say horribly awful things to people um, or funny things on that side. Um, so, so tell us about TypeWise. How did this, this keyboard come to be? What was the idea here?
1: Sure. The idea comes from my co-founder, Janice, um, who, is, uh, who has been you know trying out different gadgets, I think, uh, for all the time that I've known him. <laughs> and he basically approached me on a, uh, I, yeah, I don't want to say like a rainy, but probably it was a rainy uh, Saturday afternoon, <laughs> um, as it's often the case here in Switzerland. Uh, with a very long email explaining me all the backstory of of the of, of the keyboard and how it was created in the 19th century for typewriters, and even then, it was actually never built for fast typing. But it was due to the mechanical limitations um, built that way to actually slow people down. Um, and he was wondering, well, why uh, you know when everything is new about a phone with fast pr- processing power and uh, touch screens that this thing that we use, I think it's about 80 times per day. At least. Like why, <laughs> Yeah, like why hasn't that changed? And um, he then thought, well, how should a keyboard look like? To It's about fast typing, but it's also about
0: accurate typing. And I think that was the starting point um, of, of that journey. How, how many iterations did you go through before you released this to market? Um, well, tiny iterations, probably a couple hundred. Oh, wow. Um, yeah,
1: <laughs> um, major iterations. It, it, it was always building on each other. So I think his very first draft um, was yeah quite an ugly looking thing. Um, but the the idea then stuck with it, which was to use um, uh, like hexagonal shaped keys. Yeah. Um, the reason being that those you can basically maximize the distance between each key center. Um, because they're essentially round um, from from their shape, and our fingerprints are round, and that's how you can make the best use of the available space um, on the touchscreen. Um, but it just from a design perspective it was very different. The letters were just all scrambled up. He thought he should rearrange the letters, um, but then s- subsequent testing also in this like discussion like discussions with. Uh, with a professor and there's an actual field called human computer interaction it's quite a nerdy field but there are a few dedicated <laughs> uh, scientific uh, um, people working on that and uh we've realized that there's no use in uh, uh, rearranging keys on such a tiny um screen um there's no benefit to the user but it just makes it very hard to learn um so then we basically uh, reverted back to the qwerty Type of arrangement um, using our 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 layout. Um, we then filed a patent for it quite early in the process. Um, went um, onto Kickstarter um, to get a first user group, and there we also then did iterations of, of 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 different layouts. Actually, having people using a a first prototype and see which one works better.
0: What was there? Um, what was the yeah. reaction from the first users who? Because I know that you know trying to get people to change their ways. It's hard. It's hard to convince people to try something different, especially when it comes to something they use so often. So what was the initial feedback? Did you find hesitation or did you find uh, people were embracing it?
1: I, it's, it's a very good point. I think it's changing people's habits is super hard. Um, <laughs> as I know myself, uh, trying out uh, like meditation <laughs> programs and after a few days, you just kind of stop doing it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um I think using Kickstarter for such a thing is great because people s- spend a lot of money, um, on it because they get the extra perks and, uh, you know, are the first ones. And then they, uh, give you, uh, like a higher um, contribution and then they're super vested in it. And they're obviously taking the time. Um, like our issue was more, you know, t- technical nature, back supporting different devices. Um, which is very difficult for a keyboard because you have to; it has to work everywhere, and certain apps wouldn't show it properly. So it was a lot of these type of things um, that he that we struggled with at the beginning. Um, but this initial user group was quite uh, quite positive,
0: I would say. Did you find the process, the development process, um, uh, easy? Did you find it hard? Because developing a keyboard is a little bit different than just developing an app. You're 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 building something that people are going to use to replace something in the core OS itself. So is it a different process than just developing a third-party app?
1: Yes. Um, so our app basically has two components. It's like the actual app, as any app um, is, where you know the user opens it for the first time, gets the onboarding, Um, can set all the like languages and settings and has even like a game that helps him um, to, to, to adapt to the new layouts, usually within 15 minutes um, as as our users tell us. Um, But then there's also a thing called a keyboard extension, which then becomes available across all the other applications. And um, there are differences between iOS and Android. So you, so this needs to be developed natively. um, So you need to develop it twice Um, and uh, um, obviously especially ios has more limitations Um, and also problems from like caused by the system which makes it sometimes like a bit difficult um, when you experience crashes but it's not under your influence because it's not your app that is crashing but somehow your keyboard is caused to crash and you don't know why um, but to the user, it just is super annoying. If you yeah. cannot type, um, you cannot use your phone. Um, so that's how there are many, um, I think, from a development point of view, um, quite a few differences. And uh, we've learned you you don't need 20 people um, to, to work on it, but you need a few very good people.
0: There's an AI element to uh, your keyboard um, and the software behind it. Can you describe what computer learning and what the AI is doing while people are typing?
1: Absolutely. So our, well, our larger mission is to decode human thoughts. Um, We think that (laughs) um, a few years um, down the road, it shouldn't be us essentially dictating to the computer how to spell words by type typing letter by letter. Um, The same goes also for laptop keyboards. Um, We think it's extremely mundane way of interacting with our technology. Um, so we see that um, AI in the broader sense or software algorithms um, sh- should give us a smarter user interface by maybe seeing entire sentences um, as we type them. And we, we see, for example, Google uh, with Gmail is going a bit in that direction with the smart compose. Microsoft is also trying um, um, to to, to bring out those features with their partnership with OpenAI, AI um, that has this phenomenal um, GPT-3 model that can write Shakespeare, um, uh, Shakespeare, uh, like uh,
0: style. Yes. Yeah, style, style, like uh, po- uh, uh,
1: poetry. Um, and we want to go, or we are going the, in the in, in a, in a same direction um, with a difference of doing everything on device. So we say, Hey, we try to build very small models that don't require any user typing data to be sent to the cloud for processing. And that's how you guarantee privacy. And that's how we feel we have a right to win against Google or, or, or Microsoft. We obviously don't do this alone. this is very, it's, it's a very specialized field. So we work with the uh, Federal Institute of Technology here in Zurich. It's one of the uh, Europe's most renowned universities where we got where we have a government research support, um, in place. Um, so we have a team of like three three people, wh- whom we develop the uh, the AI together. And now um, Type Wise Three, um, which is long, or which which is launching on April twenty eighth, um, features the first component um, of that larger uh, vision, which is a new auto correction. Um, So that's very simple. It's nothing (laughs) what it does. It's it just corrects whatever you have um, entered into something meaningful. Um, It obviously looks at the context where the word stands within the sentence and does not just compare words to a dictionary, which may lead to very uh, (laughs) weird um, outcomes. Inappropriate sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or the other way around. Yeah, exactly. uh, Yeah. And we also learn from the user, um, which, especially here in Switzerland, where people r- write a language that doesn't exist formally um, in like in a dictionary. Um, so the keyboard needs to really be able to learn very quickly from the user. And we believe this is also helpful if you type in slang or you use certain terminology, maybe also at work. Uh, so the keyboard picks those words and word combinations up quite quickly.
0: And that's important. You know, I, I live in Montreal, Montreal is a bilingual city. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and I know a lot of countries in Europe are bilingual as well. Is it able to switch or understand that you're switching between languages sometimes?
1: Yes. Um, you can select right now from 40 languages, um, including, um, Canadian French, of course, uh, and um, english spanish and so forth and then the keyboard recognizes which language you're currently typing in sometimes it's after the first word when you start a new message maybe sometimes it needs two or three um yeah if you start with a name it's sometimes difficult to know yeah, <laughs> exactly what direction in you're going French? um and then you see a little flag changing mm-hmm. Um, on on top of the keyboard and if you disagree with uh, with uh, with the choice you can still manually change it with like one tap Um, very cool so so that's so so that's absolutely possible
0: now there's a stat here in your press release that it um, typewise reduces typos by four times and uh, 33 percent faster typing speeds what do you attribute that to is that just the ai that goes on in the background or is it just the fact that you know the autocorrect is really doing its job properly this time
1: no, <laughs> um, yeah, I think the, the the 4X is the cumulative um, outcome after autocorrect. We use a, a large study from University of Cambridge. Um, they have analyzed like a typing behavior of 37,000 uh, people globally and using different keyboards, like iPhone keyboard, Google keyboard, Microsoft, Swift key and so forth. And we then also, we... we met with the researchers and we had our users perform the the exact same test. And that's how we, we, we establish a difference. Um, That's obviously attributable to the AI, also to, to the, um, um, to the larger keys um, of the layout. Um, So if, I mean, users have to choice to between the traditional layout and, and uh, um, hexagonal layout. So if you choose the traditional layout, then, that 4x benefit is slightly reduced. Yeah.
0: Now, you know, the app's been downloaded um, over a million times at this point. Um, yeah, 250,000 active users, which I'm sure is growing. Um, if people want to, you know, there's a free version and there's the paid version. What really sets them apart? Just the language detection or is there more that you get? Um, because you can subscribe monthly, yearly, even lifetime.
1: No. Yeah. So one of the main features is the language detection. Um, so in the free version, you can pick one language and you can obviously change it in the settings, but you cannot type in multiple languages at the same time. Um, maybe the reason why we have a, a, a a premium version at all is that we don't collect any user data. So it's, it's, it's private. We don't show ads. So it's really a, a, if you have the free version, it's a free software and we don't get anything from you. So we, so our model is well. Then um, we we have this premium version in place. Um, apart from the language detection, you also have more customization um, options, more themes, uh, specialized settings. Um, some of the personalized um, predictions are locked um, in the free version, um, but you see what they would be. And if you say, "Hey, I really need to have them," then um, you, you also can know what, it. like, what you get. Um,
0: so, where do you guys go as a company? I mean, obviously, with a, with a mission like decoding human thoughts, um, <sighs> you look at a product like Typewise and you wonder, okay, what's next for these guys? Because you know that kind of that kind of motto and that kind of goal uh, it, it, to me resonates more than just a keyboard.
1: Mm. I mean, that's, that's the larger vision. Um, absolutely. We, we don't see ourselves as, as a hardware company. Um, but we would see ourselves also building the software that helps, for example, a brain computer interface, um, translating your thoughts into like text information. Um, because also there it can be that you have to think letter by letter, um, how to type an email, uh, it would just take you way too long. So also there you need some sort of predictive um, system that where you can somehow think um, of an entire concept yeah. and that concept gets translated into, for example, um, an email or a certain action. Um, that's obviously a few years down the line. Um, <laughs> uh, what is more on on the concrete roadmap, apart from obviously building out the keyboard um, where we also see um, a lot of potential of turning a keyboard more into a a productivity hub because you use it across applications and the keyboard has a lot of information that you often have to share manually between applications. So, For example, you're in WhatsApp and you want to create a a calendar entry um, to invite your, your colleague. You need to switch to a calendar app, create a calendar entry, invite your friend, Um, set the right time. And that's just very time consuming. And a keyboard can directly or could directly um, create a workflow out of WhatsApp um, to create a calendar entry. And that's maybe like a very simple example, but it could expand this to 50 other use cases. Um, We also see a, or we also are working on bringing this technology to desktop computers because also there, um, it's maybe less uh, less noticeable. Because on, on on a phone, it's just like the problem is is bigger. But also, yeah, writing certain sentences um, like standard phrases in emails, it's so much faster if you can just do it with one tap. Yeah. Um, certain repetitive uh, entire blocks of text that you could just insert. Um, so we see that they're especially in less for leisure but more for like a work environment um we see a lot of potential and it's always privacy i think it's it's key especially when you use it um for for work purposes
0: are a lot of people concerned about privacy when it comes to their keyboard i mean i haven't i haven't heard it come up so that's why i'm curious no
1: um it's it's a good point um they're not actively concerned um if they're using like the default keyboard but as soon as you install a third-party keyboard and the system brings up a warning um for for apple we don't even require such permissions that this warning even appears Um, for google the warning unfortunately always appears no matter of what your keyboard actually does yeah but um, we we inform our users. Um, we we have, uh, and um, it can also be, for example, verified with a, <laughs> if you run a security software on your phone, you could re- like verify that we don't do anything um, that we're not saying. Yeah. Um, so we think it's it's less of a a reason for millions of people to now go look for a new keyboard, um, but. Once we onboard, um, so our main USP is not privacy. For us, it's more of a side benefit. Yeah. But when you onboard people, I think then this actually becomes a concern.
0: David, um, if people want to get the app, they can go to is it typewise.app, right? Exactly. Or just. Uh, or of course, Google uh, Play or iOS App uh, Store. Uh, and yeah. the new version 3.0 is available now when you're listening to this interview because uh, we recorded it in the past a little bit. But uh, David, thank <laughs> you so much for taking the time to join us i i I wish you can come back on uh, you know soon and tell us about more developments as they're announced please keep in touch and i look forward to playing with the app myself
1: absolutely no thanks for having me it was a pleasure
0: that is david Eberly, the co-founder of typewise check it out typewise.app now in the app store and we'll be back in just a moment here on your tech report
1: there's more your tech report after this
0: i'm matt cundall host of the sound off podcast